Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. And what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder season. Welcome to uh, the 95th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. It has been a long time since we've had an opportunity to talk with all of you. Really happy to be back tonight. Uh, a lot to go over as, as uh, man, uh, so much happening in the real world and in the football world. And we will try to get you prepared for the draft. Uh before we get into all that, um, you know, a, a programming note. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Evan to to go over the the whole setup we've got, but a couple things to be aware of. Um, we've added a new feature to being a patron. Uh, we would really hope to do some some uh, gathering <laughs> events during the off season. That's probably not gonna happen. Uh, newsflash: There, not gonna be gathering anytime soon, at least to, in person. But we now have a Slack uh, instance for patrons and uh, going to get that, you know, that's been set up. It's an opportunity for, you know, us to hang out with you guys uh, after and, you know, between the shows and, and talk Seahawks, talk other stuff. So it's been great to get that in there. Um, if you haven't already joined over on patreon.com slash please do that. Jump on in. Um, if you have any questions about getting in after being in a patron, uh, ask Evan. It's all it's all his fault. So, uh, you know, it's, it's on him. Uh, one of the cool things that's going to be happening, and let me pull Evan in to talk about it, is how that's going to be operating during the draft over the next few days. So, first of all, welcome to the show, Evan Hill at Evan S-E-A on Twitter. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, and it is Evan in SEA, Brian Nemhauser. We've only done this. We've only done this 400 times. So, uh, no. On that note, we have a ton of content for the draft that I am super excited about. Um, Sort of piggybacking off the 
the Slack introduction that we've introduced for Patreon members. If you're a Patreon member and you're in that Slack uh, group, you will notice that there is a live live thread channel. So what what does that mean? This is this is an experiment for us. This is something new. I'm not sure if you guys listen to other podcasts or or you know whether they're sports or politics or whatever it is, but there's a lot of podcasts out there that do like live chat threads either in Slack or Skype or it's typically Slack, but basically it's a way to live stream our thoughts in a very um, organized way while not providing you know video or audio commentary so what i'm throwing a ton of stuff at you guys what does this mean so long story short this is what's going to happen you will turn in tune into youtube for our uh live reactions every single day of the draft so that includes tomorrow night friday night and saturday morning so this is how it's going to work so you'll see like real hawk talk episode whatever the heck it is day one of the draft whatever and for the first part of the show when seattle is not picking so whenever the Bengals are picking or all the other teams in the nfl we will be live discussing our thoughts in that slack thread if you're a patreon member you can interact with us in that live slack thread respond to us in threads you can use your emoji uh, permission use or or you can watch directly on YouTube. So what does that mean? We will be broadcasting like a screen share of that Slack thread. Um, I don't think it's going to have any music, not at first at least, but um, so in dur- during non-Seattle picks, Evan, basically. It, Evan, if we were going to do music, what kind of music would we do? Classical music, absolutely. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Okay. It's the best best form of what music. What kind of classical music, like what qualifies as classical music in your mind? Like Mozart, right? I just say uh, Alexa shuffle classical music, and okay. that's my that's my version of classical music. Okay, as long as you weren't gonna say like you know Pearl Jam or something like no, that. No, 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 of course not. <laughs> um, so to wrap up this thought, basically, once Seattle is on the clock, we are going to transition to video audio reactions like we're doing right now, and give you our live reactions. This is. There's two reasons why we're doing this. Number one, entertainment value. And number two, I'm pretty sure Brian just wants our reactions on the record so he can go back and pull them up after the fact. So uh, I, on that note, and I'll bring the other two fellows in here in a second. One of my favorite pieces of content that I've seen in the last year, bar none, is Mina Kimes reacting to the DK Metcalf draft pick. If you have not seen that, you need to Google it. You need to watch the clip. It's hard to find actually now. And maybe Mina will uh, be kind enough to share it uh, again at some point. But she, like, you could tell she's been talking draft all day, like the whole time. It's a long process. It gets to the pick and they announce DK Metcalf. And she literally goes, ooh, like (laughs) guttural, like just deep, like flexes, like on screen. She was so pumped, so excited. That is what I want to get on screen most of the time i think we're going to get evan looking confused and you know maybe maybe making squeals of, of noises that we won't really register for a while but those are things we want to get on video and we want to have uh, ability to return to later on so uh you know so the clear the clear takeaway here though for for everyone listening is that it'll, it'll be on the same link so we'll transition from that live slack thread to our video and audio reactions and then back to the live thread after seattle is uh done picking so i'm excited about it it's a lot of content 
Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of shows over the next few days, and I'm excited about it. Thank you to Jack M for uh, donating Super Chat. Really appreciate it. And uh, we will talk about uh, some of the options at Edge and other things in the draft coming up, including the one that you mentioned, Jack. Uh, before I do that, let's bring in the other two fellas. We got at Real Jeff Simmons uh, up there in Canada. No immigration, dude. Stay where you are. Okay, I can't come across the border. I can't come uh, visit. I don't think that would be wise for multiple <laughs> reasons. Uh, how, how are you guys you doing, doing, man? I'm starting to settle in a bit. It's been a long couple of weeks. I'm just super excited for this weekend. At the best of times, I'm a big draft guy. It's one of the ways I got really into the NFL was just watching the draft and the fact that like we don't have sports for the foreseeable future and a lot of people can't work right now. I don't know if I've been as excited as anything as I've been for this event just based on the fact that I haven't had anything to like new to watch in, in terms of sports. And so I'm just super excited for this weekend. I'm tomorrow will probably be a quiet day for Seattle, but the next three days, I think there's a lot to look forward to until they ultimately disappoint us. But don't, don't start taking that tack. So, so that, that, that's, that's my, that's gonna be my position this time. I'm actually, I'm really counting on you and our next uh, host we're bringing in here at Nathan E11, Nathan Ernst. You guys have invested a lot in actually looking at some of these players coming into the draft. I've invested pretty much nothing uh, in evaluating players. So, uh, you know, my point of view should be taken with even more of a grain of salt than normal. Uh, welcome to the show, Nathan. How are you? Pretty good. You've been doing all that TikTok scouting though, right? <sighs> TikTok is so funny, man. It's so funny. <laughs> I literally told... I got to well, like one of my dreams came true today when I legitimately got to tell someone on my team, I need you to go watch TikTok. I need you to research this, this, and this uh, about how people are creating these videos. And it was a legitimate request. And uh, uh, I feel like it was a milestone for me in my professional life. That is, I'm jealous. I'm jealous that your business life and TikTok life have converged. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it, yeah. yes, Evan. What, I, what do you, quick you interjection. To say? Is this a similar sort of instance like the starfish booty tweet that came up, I believe, oh. in a work meeting? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's Wait, you, that actually. came up in a work meeting? <laughs> <laughs> I got to present, that got presented in an executive meeting. Uh, no way. Boy, the starfish. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have fun on our team. Um, so, hey, no, seriously, though, I got to say a few things and I need you guys to help me on this because what people don't know, and one of the reasons we built this Slack channel is because our private group DM for Real Hawk Talk, uh, which includes, you know, the, the four of us, plus uh, Will and Cable Thanos, Josh. Um, am I missing anybody? There's probably somebody else. But um, anyway, at least those, those six. And a lot of the time it is, you know, some of the folks on this call uh, really just fear and loathing and uncertainty and doubt about the Seahawks, about everything going wrong and how terrible things are. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is so annoying. Why can't you guys just relax? It's going to be fine. I'll tell you where I am after the press conference yesterday. Uh, the, the Pete Carroll, John Schneider press conference, which was interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, it seems very unlikely at this point that they're going to get Jadavian Clowney back. seems like that's a stretch at best. Uh, 
It seems like they also do not have particular interest in spending meaningful money on the edge or the pass rushing position in free agency, which makes it pretty unlikely that they're going to acquire Everson Griffin or that they're going to trade for and sign someone like Yannick um, or Yannick or however it's pronounced. I will work on pronouncing his name if he ever becomes a Seahawk. Uh, and that John Schneider went as far as to say, you know, the clowny thing, we just had to move, move on and conduct our business. We eventually had to move on. And that means that Benson Mayoa, Bruce Irvin equals moving on. Guys, I, I, I'm not happy with where we are. I'm not happy with what this looks like. And I'll tell you what, like, I don't want to start, you know, being gloom and doom, but I'm not excited about this draft. Like I'm going into this. I need you guys to tell me who we can pick if the Seahawks name this player or two players that you think is going to legitimately be meaningfully impactful for this team. And that realistically this team could get, because if they draft some edge rusher in the first round, I'm going to be pretty frustrated. I don't think that person's going to have any impact. Um, and, And so I'm struggling a little bit. We have 75 offensive linemen, we have like one edge rusher. So, so help me, let's start there. Uh, and I'm gonna start with you, Nathan. Give me a name, give me two names where if you heard them called um, that you, and it doesn't have to be a first round, but you're like, this is a player that I really, if the Seahawks land this guy, we're gonna be excited. Tell me about it. So I'll, I'll start. <clears throat> a little bit more general and then we can talk about players. So I, I would say that um, while there aren't many edge players um, that I'm really in love with um, or even defensive line players, um, they aren't without some merit, right? I mean, I, I'm not a big Yetter, Gross Matos guy, um, but like you can spin the story about why he'll be good. Julian Aquara, you can spin the story about why he'll be good. Um, even guys like Raquan Davis, you know, who is expected to go a little later, like that's a guy that you could really probably talk yourself into. Um, so, you know, you, the thing that's weird about this draft is it's very strong in some areas that don't exactly line up with what Seattle needs. So Seattle needs to either go against the grain and hit, which they have done before, right? They're not a team that's afraid to go against the grain. Um, or they they could lean into offense, right? Which isn't something that we've seen a lot of them, a lot of from them, but not crazy to think they could do, right? They've drafted a ton of offensive linemen. There's a couple interesting guys that could be drafted here. And with, you know, Dwayne Brown not getting any younger, then maybe they go with Austin Jackson, maybe Mekdi Becton, Mekdi Becton, whatever his name is. Um, you know, that's a guy that you could talk yourself into real fast um, if he manages to fall to them. Um, even guys like Isaiah Wilson, you know, have some upside and some interest. So um, those guys are all interesting um, from an offensive line perspective. And even though they've spent there, you know, if they find a right tackle that they think can be the left tackle of the future, that provides a lot of impact immediately and long term. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, the guys who get really excited about in this class are the wide receivers, right? If they pull out Denzel Mims, um, you know, it's not crazy to think that he could have a DK-esque year. Um, if they pull out uh, Jalen Rieger, another guy that could be really impactful for them, right? There's, you can go down the line on wide receivers that would be really interesting. And this team has some depth there, but nobody that's a really strong third wide receiver candidate. So, if they really wanted to lean into the offense, right, they they could really bolster that side of the ball 
um, even with the other side being continuing to be a, a question mark. And, oh. you know, look, that was the case last year and they won a playoff game. So if they get even better on offense and maybe if they evolve a little bit and if they get a little better, bit better on fourth downs, maybe if they pass a little bit more or do some more creative stuff there, then maybe they can get considerably better. My God. It has really been a while. I forgot about fourth down being a thing. For a second, I was like, why is fourth down? And I was like, oh, God, yeah, that was a thing. That was it's like, still a thing. That it was it didn't stop being a thing. thing. Yeah. Oh, man. So, so Jeff, um, <laughs> what I'm hearing from Nathan is um, the draft is strong, potentially on offense. And the story, story there that sounds like Nathan would be excited about is, all right, not looking great on defense. Let's just get stronger on offense. Um, thinking about this team, what they need to be competitive, what they need to be good. Tell me, what's your script? What does it look like? What does a Seahawks draft look like that makes this team a contender this year? So just a spoiler alert before I get into this, I have an article coming out tomorrow and it's going to kind of prime prepare everyone for the draft and I go literally position by position on the Seahawks starting at quarterback all the way down to safety and literally run through their decisions at the first round so I go through the running back they might look for I advise obviously against taking them the receivers I like the defensive ends and I literally go where the depth is at each position so I think that's a good way if you guys want to give that a read tomorrow it's a good way to get ready I'm going to do the same Friday morning but to answer your question uh, I think Nathan hit on a lot of the points that I had going into it. And I think the tricky part for Seattle and Brian, you touched on this a few minutes ago is that there's one clear need on this team. They need to get speed and explosion off the edge, but we've known from this draft and why we all thought free agency would be so prioritized in this area is there's not really, there's chase young at the top. There's like, but then the difference between the guys kind of around at 27 versus someone you can get maybe with your, picks towards the end of the second round. I don't think there's a big difference there. And to me, that's why when I see a guy like Gross, Mato, Gross Matos or someone who keeps being mocked to Seattle, I don't love that because 30 or 40 picks later, I don't think there's a big difference. So to me, I, I think I'm with Nathan in terms of, I like the idea of a receiver. And to me, if you look at KC and you look at San Francisco last year, the two best teams in the NFL, other than Baltimore, Instead of trying to fill deficiencies, they built positions of strength. Mm -hmm. San Francisco had that defensive line, and they had invested Armstead, Buckner, and then they drafted Bosa. KC had Hill and Watkins and Kelsey, and they drafted Hardman. Seattle's best competitive advantage outside of their quarterback, and even including the quarterback, is right now the receiver group. And when Tyler Lockett went out last year, in the, like around week 10, and he got hurt, the passing game really took a step back when David Moore and Malik Turner and all those guys. And to me, if you can add a third guy into that option, that does a couple of things. It gives you depth in case there's an injury and it gives you a three headed monster with those two tight ends and with Russell. And all of a sudden you really have a position of strength. And I think to me, that's a lot more powerful than trying to fill a deficiency at a weak spot of a draft. And too many times I've talked about this in a real talk talk thread. The Seahawks have hyper-focused on one position with Jermaine Effetti in that one year, it was LJ Collier, it was Rashad Penny. And rather than taking and building a strength, they tried to fill a deficiency and took a weak player. And that, that's what worries me going into this draft. I can mention a couple other positions later, but to me, I would, I would hit on the strength of the draft, maybe even a corner. They have Dunbar and they have Griffin. Maybe draft a really high nickel corner. 
build a position of strength because I think that more than anything, when you have Russell, I think that's the way you compete because I don't think you can fix all their holes on defense in one draft. Yeah. So Evan, um, I really just want to get your reaction to, I've got information on what the Seahawks are going to spend their pick on. And I want you to tell me how you're going to feel when they pick Jonathan Taylor. Brian. Evan. If that happens, I feel like you might have a worse reaction than me. You might be sent over the edge, Brian. You might be thrown off the cliff. I know you didn't like the Rashad Penny pick. I, uh -uh. I truly believe, Brian, I truly believe your reaction would be worse than mine. It, in, a, in an entertainment value perspective, but also in a like, a, this is a heads need to roll type of decision. If, and when you guys are reading my article tomorrow, read the running back section. I think you'll get a kick out of that. Evan will run the gamut of emotions and be uh, ready to buy a Taylor jersey within an hour. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, no, Evan. Seriously, though. I mean, what what do we what have we learned about? Let, let's let's take a few seconds all around the room. We're gonna go over what have we learned about how John Schneider and this team approach the draft. What are their what are their general approaches? Right. I'll go through a couple. I'll leave some for you guys as well. Um, generally trade down in the first round, right? Like that's pretty much known that, that in, in general, they're trading down in the first round. What people don't realize is, is that he trades up often in the second, third, fourth round. So it's not that Schneider always trades back. He usually trades out of the first. He trades up in the, in the later rounds. Another thing that we know is that to Jeff's point, when there are positions of strength, and this, by the way, is probably my biggest beef with John Schneider's drafting philosophy. When there are positions of strength, what John Schneider does is he leverages that depth of that position. And he says, oh, there'll be a good enough player later because there's so many good players at that position. I'm going to go take the best of a position where there's not a lot of strength, where there's, where there's thin depth at that position. LJ Collier's a perfect example of that kind of drafting philosophy. And he says, there's a huge drop off from LJ Collier to the next edge player available. So I'm going to get him while I can. Well, guess what? You got a far inferior player than who you could have gotten with that pick. You're not getting a good value for that pick. That drives me absolutely nuts. So um, I would much rather, to Jeff's point, see them hit on a great player where there's a position of strength, maybe even take two players at a position of strength in the draft, than reach for, you know, the best of the worst. And, and I think we've seen John Schneider do that before. So, um, Evan, talk to me. I mean, when you, you're a John Schneider uh, fan, to say the least, Uh what do you, you know, what do you brace for when you get ready for his draft? What do you, what do you look forward to? What, what are some of the things you've learned about how he approaches it? I mean, obviously he, I, I, well, let me start on this. Actually. I think the COVID situation has a very real impact on, on this year's draft, but it, I think especially reinforcing John Schneider's like historical patterns of trading back. I, I think, I think their goal this year, as it is every year is to trade back, accumulate as many picks as possible. And, 
you know, hope three to four of those guys end up being solid contributors, you know, down the line this year, obviously in the pre-draft process, teams were extremely limited in terms of how they could approach players, interact with them pretty much only digitally, you know, pre-draft workouts were extremely limited. Um, Basically teams have a lot less information this year than they do in typical drafts that results in increased risk taking basically this year. And, and I think more so than, you know, pretty much every year, I think John Schneider is going to look to aggressively trade back. However, I will say with the caveat here is I feel like last year, uh, John Schneider took a little bit too of an aggressive approach in trading back and ended up not getting super great value when sliding down from that end of the first, to like the top of the second. I think if, if, if John is going to trade back this year, the capital has to be there. It has to be a good deal. It can't just be a trade back to trade back and get more picks. Honestly, I, I fully agree with what you said though, Brian, on the whole best player available and like need thing. Need should be nowhere near this team's radar. In my opinion, there's so many holes on this roster. There's so many different areas that they need to add talent that, pretty much every position, excluding the quarterback position. I don't care what position it is. If there's a really, you know, supremely talented. Well, you do player there. You do for one. What was that? You do for one position. If running, they took back. A running back. Oh if yeah. They took a running back. Of course. Of course. But, but regardless, like I, I, I think, I think there's so many positions of need that sticking at 27 might not be the worst idea. Uh, the one position that I am low-key hoping they stick at 27 and pick is actually tackle. I think Dwayne Brown is on the decline. I would not be surprised if, if this is a crazy take, but like I wouldn't be surprised if he retired in a year or, or two years. You know, I, I don't think he has a ton of NFL life left in him. Obviously, right tackle is a major issue. A couple names they could target at 27, Josh Jones, Austin Jackson, uh, that's my hope, but my fear is that they'll be pressured into taking, you know, some really subpar pass rusher at 27, where that's just not the strength of the draft, really, in terms of where Seattle is picking. Uh, the, the pass rush, the pass rushing situation is so dire in terms of how they approached free agency and pretty much abstained from paying anybody, <laughs> anybody, any significant amount of money that. Not only did they not re-sign Clowney for what is looking like $13, $14 million a year on the open market right now, they didn't go out and get any of those value edge rushers that we've been talking about for the last three to four months. So my greatest fear is that they feel pressured into taking an edge, edge rusher too early and, and don't end up getting a good talent at 27. So well, I have concerns. Let's talk about this, uh, Nathan and, and Jeff. So, so. Sure. Uh, their first round picks since 2010. I'm going to run through them real quick. It's not going to take very long. Uh, you had Russell Okung, who was a sixth overall pick, right? So very different classification than they've had other times. Earl Thomas at 14. Those are both in 2010. So you have a, an offensive tackle safety. James Carpenter, a tackle, uh, who played into playing guard, but they drafted him to be a tackle. Bruce Irvin, defensive line. Defensive end is who they drafted him to be. Uh, no pick, no pick, no pick. Jermaine Effetti, uh drafted to be a tackle. No pick. Rashad Penny. 
and LJ Collier. So out of their one, two, three, four, five, six, seven first round picks that they've ever made, one, two, three, four, five have been either offensive linemen or defensive linemen. Seems like a pattern. Yeah. So they have, and of those, you know, one, two, three have been offensive tackles. So, you know, we do have some question marks on that position. Nathan, do you believe that is the most likely if they stay and they pick in the first round, do you think that offensive tackle is the most likely position they will select? I, I really have no idea. I mean, they've done a good enough job just putting together like workable depth at all positions that it's hard to say what is the biggest need. Um, like where they need the biggest splash player is still probably defensive end and but like you, you could argue that they need you know a big upgrade over Brandon Shell and the long-term Dwayne Brown replacement too so uh but and, and then it's complicated too in that you know the draft doesn't really line up with their needs particularly well this year so I think I would probably still lean defensive line just because I think there's a bigger overall need there and and they, you know, have gone there a couple times now in the first round. But it's really, it's really hard to kind of say with where this draft, how this draft draft falls and what they need. Like, what exactly are they going to try to do? Is there, is there an offensive tackle or a defensive end that you'd be excited? And that's realistic. So, I mean, obviously, Chase Young, we're not talking about Chase Young. Is there a, is there, a I, don't know. I heard that in the mock draft, John tried to trade up to 11, yeah. not a lot farther to go to he, get to two. He talked to the jets. Yeah. They're like, why are you calling us? Uh, so um, is there an offensive tackle or, or an edge rusher? It doesn't even actually be an edge rusher. Even can be a defensive, a defensive interior um, tackle uh, rusher that you believe realistically could hit the Seahawks at 27. Let's not even assume a trade back that you'd be excited for them to get. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, especially offensive tackle, um, you know, uh, I mean, it's hard, right? Like Isaiah Wilson, Austin Jackson. um, Who's the other one? It's Josh Jones. Josh Jones. Um, Today, am I really excited about them being a first round pick? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. I mean, not anything crazy, right? But again, like the idea of somebody that can play right tackle in the beginning and then and and, and then move over and replace Dwayne Brown in a year or two when he retires, uh, or maybe you move on from him. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's really sound. Those are good players. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the awesome thing about the draft is no matter who they take, I guarantee all of us will be on here on a podcast Thursday night, Friday night, or Saturday saying... You know, I've really talked myself into this guy. Like, we'll all get excited. <laughs> the draft is nothing if not possibility and potential. And we'll all work ourselves, you know, in, into a lather over it. We'll all do be excited. Not, do not uh, group me, like, in the same category as Evan. I, I, I have a take, and I, I stick with it. You know, I did not like the Rashad Penny pick, and I never changed that point of view. I did not like the Jermaine Fetty pick. I never changed that point of view. I know Evan liked both of those picks and had liked them the whole time. So let's just be let's just be serious about that. 
You're trolling There's me right now, right? One thing Evan is known for, it's his consistent it's pick. You're, you're trolling me on the Jermaine pick, though, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah, at okay. least on that one. Okay. Don't you dare slander oh, me in a positive statement. No, with no, 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 no. You definitely went through a phase where you were talking yourself into a Fetty being good with Sol- Solari. Okay. Yeah, that was for like four <laughs> weeks. And then I realized Solari was a steaming pile of garbage. So. Wow. Wow. wow uh, Jeff, how right. about you? I, I got to say, like... I, I'm so frustrated, guys. I, I, I wanna, I wanna get there, but I've basically just been biding my time. You know it. On, I'm looking for them to make the moves to make this defense um, good enough to make this a contending team. They draft an offensive tackle, and even if he's a good offensive tackle, is that gonna, you know, tell me why I should be excited about that? And it's tricky because there's not going to be an offseason program. If they're taking an offensive tackle, Brian, it's not for 2020. It's for the future. So that's not going to help you because the people have hit on this. Dwayne Brown's going to be 35. I talk about this. If they take one of the guys like Austin Jackson, he's 20 years old. He's one of the youngest prospects in the draft. He's not going to be ready to play in 2020. He's your long-term answer at left tackle. That's a good team-building move, but that's not going to make you better now. So that's not going to help. Right tackle, Shell will probably start. He had some stretches where PFF graded him very highly in pass protection. There were stretches. And someone like Isaiah Wilson, he's someone who can compete, but he might not take over until the second year. So those are long-term building strategies because they don't really have a long-term answer at either tackle spot. So defensively, there's some guys at defensive end. There's some defensive tackles, I think, on day two. There's even a linebacker I would look at, K.J. Wright's in the last year of his contract. They really struggled covering intermediate areas of the field last year. They were slow against the Rams. They were slow against the Niners. There's some guys that can like there, but... You're talking about Patrick Queen? Yeah, like Patrick Queen's a guy, if they took a linebacker first round, that's not a premium position, that's not... They have K.J. Wright, but if they can get a guy like that, an explosive player to pair with Bobby Wagner and a guy who can cover George Kittle, a guy who can cover the Rams slot receivers. Like I can, I can talk myself into that because another thing you didn't mention with Schneider, not only does he trade back all the times he picks people out of nowhere, like guys that weren't on any media boards when they took Bruce Irvin or Carp or Penny, like that shocked everyone. I think Patrick Queen is an interesting sleeper to kind of talk about. I mean, I think everyone's about him. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's reaction to them taking an off ball linebacker is going to be, um, well, probably what my reaction was when I saw people mocking them taking, you know, t- taking him and like, why the hell are they taking a linebacker? Like, but he's a guy that, you know, he's got a little bit of that kind of Miles Jack or Levante David type and, you yeah. know, that speed. And you look at how they wanted to play against the Rams and some of these teams. And, you know, you can talk yourself into that making sense. Um, he's not a, he's not a, like a Reggie Raglan type. Um, who is the uh, is uh, Levon Kirkland? Who is the middle linebacker? Yeah. Made like three hundred pounds. He's yeah, not that yeah, dude, giant right? Yeah, uh, he's not a, like an Aaron Curry or whatever. Um, I mean, he might suck like Aaron Curry sucked, but like he won't suck for the same reasons. Um, I, I don't think Patrick Queen's crazy. And, and again, like this is the guy that I think will make people scratch their head when they when when he gets picked if he gets picked by Seattle. And and then you know we'll pull the Evan and in about within about an hour or two hours after we watch the hype videos and everything, we'll all be kind of like, ah, oh, you know, these custom jerseys, Patrick Queen. Yeah, all right. Queen would be a sweet sweet Seahawks jersey. I would take <laughs> I would take that jersey. There's a lot of fun you could have with that. So 
look, let, let, let's let's talk about this this team's. You know, we talked about needs going into the offseason. Talked about cornerback, nickelback, and specifically interesting comments from Schneider about Quentin Dunbar. He can play inside. He can play outside. He made a point. He said inside first. Uh, so that's at least something to be aware of. Maybe they see Dunbar as a potential nickel option. We talked about um, defensive line, both end and tackle. I think we all agree those are both still needs, not just end, but tackle um, on this team. Uh, we talked about wide receiver um, being a need. They did sign Philip Dorsett, but I think we all agree that that's still someplace that they could add to. Running back. Controversial for various reasons. You've got Chris Carson coming off an injury. You've got Rashad Penny coming off a major injury. Um, let's stop there for a second. Evan, is running back a need for this team? Not, not should they draft one in the first round, but is running back a need for this team? Yeah. Yes, it is. I would, I would say yes. And, and where's the best place to find that value relative to the incredible needs they have all across the roster and how it matches up to the positional strengths of this draft. Yeah, it's absolutely a need. I have, I have them. I have no problem with them drafting a running back. Jeff said that the the end of the third round, I think you said, Jeff, that's the earliest. Yeah. Yeah. Anything in like that, third, fourth, fifth round range. I'm comfortable with some, you know, there's the, there's the extremists who will only say UDFA or seventh round. But honestly, I think anything beyond a fourth round pick is pretty much a crapshoot. So I have no, yes. The, the question, the answer to your question is yes. I just don't want to see them use a high pick on it. What's, what's, what's the, what's the pick that you'd be okay with? Uh, I'm not looking at Seattle's, uh, just give me a round. It doesn't matter if they have a pick fourth, fourth round. And actually let me follow up on that thought real quick. The reason I think it's a need is because I think they should let Chris Chris Carson walk. I think extending Carson would be a big mistake. I think he's going to come in around the eight, $9 million range. If he hits free agency, I think investing that type of money in him is a bad idea, especially with his fumbling issues, which have been uh, obviously super concerning. So, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, based on inside info, assume that I think Nathan and, Jeff agree that running back is a position that is not the worst thing for them to add to one way, shape or form um, in their current situation. So what I want from you, Nathan, and you, Jeff, what round would you be comfortable with the Seahawks spending a pick on a running back? Nathan. Um, I think ideally you don't take one before the fifth, Um, you know, fourth round, especially with where Seattle's usually picking there, you know, comp picks or whatever. Sure. Um, but I think it's hard to justify going much higher, if at all, than that. Jeff? I'd be fine anywhere. Like, ideally, fourth, fifth round. But if they use their, like, 100th and one, I think that's where their comp pick is. I don't think it's the end of the world. Well, that's basically a fourth round pick. If they got a running back, I like there. Anything above that to me. If they take Jonathan Taylor first round or on a slight move down, I don't think there's any clear sign. Big news. Big news. Sorry, I have to interject. Breaking news. The Raiders and the Jags are close to a trade involving Yannick for a first round pick. Wow. Who's saying that? Uh, Walter Football, who's, you know, a pretty good source. I feel like the life just went out of Brian a little bit on that. 
Brian, you're yeah. holding out hope. You you had your your two superstar. You you wanted was, the the Packers. Was, the I told you guys. I Smith didn't need brothers. that news. I, did, you know. Did you hear John yesterday though? Did you see him? We we set our expectations all wrong. And I a lot see of people didn't Jeff. On I, that one set, I don't think we set our expectations wrong. I think their plan was shit. I, I agree with that. That that's what it comes down to. Like they th- this was. This was absolutely on a platter for them to address their biggest weakness from a cap situation, from a players that were available. They could have gone big and gotten big name players. Potentially they could have gone cheap and got a bunch of second tier or second and third tier pass rushers. They didn't do either. Um, And so now they basically got rotational players that you have to hope somehow hit. And I could even make the case, if I really wanted to push it, you could make the case their pass rush on paper right now could be better than it was last year. I actually, so I'm not like crazy about it. I actually, this is, you have to realize, remember how bad this pass rush was last year. I guess year. that's not saying very much. Right. It's not. It's a low, low bar. And I think they could be better. Do I think they could be good? No way. This is no, not yeah. a good pass rush. There's, I don't see any path to it being a good pass rush as it is. And I just think their plan was crap. And I, I, I had too much faith in the way that they've approached this. Yeah. Maybe that's my point. Than, than the way that they, they approached it now. So hopefully they, was, they come back and make this look, make me look stupid for saying it. But as of right now, there's not a lot of reason to expect they're going to add more than just, you know, maybe Ezekiel Ansa kind of like shots in the dark uh, the rest of the way. Yeah. Like John had a throwaway line yesterday. I mentioned it to you guys in the chat and, None of the other real beat writers picked up on it. Brady Henderson was the only one who did. He wrote a story on O-line today, and he had a couple interesting nuggets in there. But John, and we kind of went back and forth on this, John kind of threw a thing. They're no longer uh, spend big on outside free agent team, he said. And I thought that jumped off the page to me because that explains why we've all been scratching our heads the whole offseason because they've let tons of opportunities. So we looked at Quinn. We looked at Fowler. Based on what he said yesterday, they might not have been in any of those. And when Clowney came up yesterday, I know Evan saw this. He looked, he just looked beaten down when that question came up. Oh, I uh, I actually meant to clip that later on. Brian, Nathan, did you guys see that response in, in into the Clowney question? It was not so much what he said, but how he said it. <laughs> it was so... Uh, his response just reeked of like somberness and disappointment and kind of shock. Jeff, am I, am I wrong in any, any of those descriptions, but oh, no, on a scale just... of like, uh, you know, normal, happy, peppy, John Schneider draft pre-draft presser to uh, just drafted LJ Collier in the first round post-draft presser. Where, where did he fall? beyond like, the lj collier pick. yeah he looked he looked rattled man he it was like the, the- <laughs> it was the most somber i have ever heard john schneider speak or or, or say it was he turned great. it around into a shot on joe right on joe fan yeah he, he asked him if that was his real name <laughs> he did and he was he did but he, yeah he, hmm. he looked like he was mechanism. struggling with the draft process the tr- his trade thing didn't work out well he he had his house ripped apart. He said he had like 27 screens going on. 
this whole and thing just honestly like... make a lot of sense to be honest. <laughs> no, he looked out of his element, man. You know, okay, it's gonna like... be okay though. I'm gonna call my shot here, okay? Because okay. Seattle just traded a fifth round pick for uh, Quentin Dunbar, who was PFF's second uh, best cornerback, right, last yeah. year. And so uh, my prediction here is that John Schneider is going to trade like a fourth or fifth round pick for the second best PFF pass rusher. So I think we're going to get like Miles Garrett for like a maybe a sixth round pick. I think that's coming. We just got to be patient. He's got it all lined up. It's going to happen. That would be great since Garrett probably won't play till like 2022. No, no, he got reinstated. He got reinstated. Did he really? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I didn't know it was official. Uh, I thought it was like about this. He should have never been suspended for the rest of the year like that. That was a way overreaction. Dude, he could have killed that dude. I mean, Mason Rudolph was asking. Like, I mean, I know he was, was asking for. He was asking for a fight. He was picking his, the fight. His, his, his people, people act like Mason Mason Rudolph is blameless when he definitely is not. Oh, hundred percent. That's the issue, the, though. Oh my God, the guy's a total d bag. I mean, that's not that's not even in question. But when you swing, like Miles Garrett is not Jason Myers, and when he swings that helmet at a dome, <laughs> he can do some real damage. I mean, we could have witnessed someone murdered uh, on 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 national TV. So, like, I don't know if I can really say Garrett did not deserve. He he lost his cool big time, um, and just like just like Evan did right there. But anyway. I will say on the running back position, um, I'm of two minds on this, guys. Uh, um, I don't believe they need a running back this year because Chris Carson's leaving next year. I'd be fine with them drafting a running back next year uh, if that was the case. Running backs can come in and play right away. Um, I'm not worried about that. But I am concerned (laughs) that we do not have a single running back that you can trust to carry the ball, um, you know, when the season starts. I don't think we know – how Chris Carson's health is going to be, or if he's going to be able to remain durable. So um, I do think they need to add a running back. Uh, for, as far as around, I mean, honestly, if there's a guy that's great third rounder or, or lower, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally hate that. But generally speaking, I like undrafted free agent running backs. <laughs> there's always undrafted free agent running backs that are worth going after. So I'd like to see him pile up a little bit there. Um, all right. Uh, what about um, what about tight end? And this is this is not. This sounds a little tongue in cheek, but there's a lot of drafts that have mocked Hunter Bryant, University of Washington tight end, to the Seahawks. Um, where are you guys on that, Evan? I mean, what's your point of view on whether the Seahawks should consider adding a player like Hunter Bryant, even though they got every other tight end in, in the National Football League? One of you draft guys t- confirm this for me. Is he is he projected like top three rounds? Isn't he like third round, second round, maybe? Maybe, maybe third, third round. round. Maybe third round. I think oh, it's that- a, a thin enough tight end class that he might surprise and go higher just kind of because of his profile and projectability and all that. I mean, we have so many tight ends right now. Like we have – who do we have on the roster right now? Greg Olson, Will Disley, Jacob Hollister, Luke Wilson – Ed Dixon still right? Is he still no, there? he got He's cut. Still there. No, he did get cut. Okay. I did get cut. Yeah. He got cut. I mean, George Fant still around? No, George Fant's not there. I mean, those are four pretty decent tight ends. Like Greg Olson could very well have a very productive year. His his Russell. film was interesting to me. I watched some film with him the other day. Hmm. On Greg Olson? 
Yeah. Would you would you take away? Interesting. If he's healthy, which is obviously the biggest if, he can still play, man. Totally. I think there's a reason Russell wanted him. He's we talked about that quick game so much last year. And when Will Disley went out, that quick game was just gone. And Olsen is a pure middle of the field player. He doesn't have deep speed anymore, but if you have him and Disley and the deep speed they have, that really extends what you can do in the passing game. And I think he's just a professional guy. Like, have you guys ever watched that Amazon show, All or Nothing? Have you guys ever seen that? Yeah. Snips. They were with Carolina a lot two years ago, and Olsen's just like an out, like in a team with Luke Keekley and Cam and Julius Peppers. Like Olsen's the alpha male there. And like, I think he's an interesting player, but he's got to stay healthy. He's like 37 years old. So who knows? Isn't he only 33? Yeah, am I wrong? That's, that's old for a tight end. Yeah, he's yeah. old, man. But well, back to what you're saying. Yeah. I think there's a reason they lined up all these tight ends with this draft. And the Seahawks pretty much are, give a tell in that area usually. The two areas they loaded up on are considered the two weakest area of the draft, interior offensive line and tight end. And they loaded up at both spots. They need guys who can play now. I saw like Mike Groffalo mention a tight end I'd even heard of that was like rising up board today that the Seahawks had talked to from, from like UCLA or something. I didn't ever even heard the name. So if they take him, I'm going to have to convince myself into him, as Nathan just said. But I would be really surprised, given all their needs, if they went with tight ends with four pro guys on the roster but i don't know i mean yes i would be surprised if they went early just again because you know it's not a great class and all that but um you've got one guy who's shredded his knee a few different ways um you've got one guy who uh if he retired before the season i don't think anyone would be shocked um (laughs) and you have jacob hollister uh so while that you know, upside is fine and we'll probably be fine. Um, it's not crazy to think that they might be trying to find somebody that could, you know, be a little bit more of a, a longer term thing they can bank on, especially with tight ends taking a little bit to develop. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't hate it. I mean, partly just cause I like Hunter Bryant. I think he's, I think he's going to be a good player in the league. And I think, putting him with Russell for the next few years. I, I really, I like that. I think he he's, he's, I think he's got a lot of potential. So I wouldn't hate that particular pick in general. I'm not looking for them to add at the tight end spot. Um, I'd much rather them dip into the wide receiver pool. Um, I am kind of curious for, for you guys, if the Yannick uh, announcement turns out to be official, how would you have felt if you had just found out that the Seahawks traded the 27th pick for, for him? Pretty upset, honestly. I, I don't think they're one player away or even close. And it's pick 19 that's looking – because the Raiders have two first-round picks. Mm-hmm. It's looking like pick 19 is uh, going to be the one that's uh, given to the Jags. I think you're on mute, Nathan. Or are mm-hmm. we – there you ah, go. I, I am on mute. Uh, I just, I just don't love trading to pay a player. Um, I, I, I don't know. Jeff? I wouldn't like it. Like I can convince myself into it, but just from a team building perspective, they have so much area they need to fill out and to tr- not only give up a pick that can turn into other picks 
But to pay him like 20 million on top of that, it would just reemphasize how bad their offseason approach was at defensive end. I think that would just double down on just how terrible they've left themselves to that one spot. Well, the correct answer to that question is to be excited because it would have been great to have that player on our roster instead of anyone that I've heard talked about for our first round pick so far on this show. Oh my God. I can't, I honestly, it's hard for me to relate. I, I get the, I get the team building part, but you got the money to spend. That's not the issue. We can afford it. That's not the issue. So you're basically saying that you'd rather r- roll the dice that this first round pick that they're going to spend is going to be more impactful to this team than a young accomplished pass rusher who we See, all agree they're thing. probably not going to find in this draft and there doesn't seem to be any other option for how to get that guy yeah but my issue with that perspective though brian is they're not one player away from but seriously if they sign clowny you think they're clowny away you've been asking for clowny i do not think they're one player away from seriously contending for a super bowl absolutely not i even if they have clowny i don't think they're even a few players away i think they're that deficient of talent Am I wrong? Yeah, I think you're way wrong. Really? Yeah. They're I not mean, one I, player away from being a favorite, but they are one yeah. player away from, like, they are a, a one of the upper echelon players away from being, you know, a, a legit contender. I agree with that. Oh, I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, I think there's a big difference between being like a 49ers or Rams team from the past couple of years or a 2013 CX where you're the prohibitive favorite. You're the, you the most talented team, and if things go relatively according to plan, you should win. You should, you should at least get to the Super Bowl and you should win versus a team that has clearly the talent to achieve that level, um, but you have to have some things go right. The Seahawks, yeah. last year, it wasn't a super stretch for them to make a run in the playoffs, and they were a pretty flawed team. Like, they still almost beat the Packers. Um, and, I mean, they, they, were, they had major flaws on that team and the injuries that they were facing as well. So – I think their secondary is better. I think Jermaine Effetti's not on this team, which is already – I'm not saying that just to be silly. Like, he not being on the team is a big freaking deal. So um, many penalties. So and, many. And you got DK Metcalf as his second year. He's going to get better at receiver. you got Philip Dorsett. Like, you got better tight end options for sure. I mean, Jacob Hollister was your tight end last year for the, a lot of the year. That was it. Um, imagine if Disley and Greg Olson are healthy. Like that's a big question, but like there's, so I just, I'm struggling to, and we know their secondary is better. Basically we're a pass rush away from being a legitimate contender. Brian, can I hit you with a draft question from one of our Patreon supporters? Not until you you answer what I just said. Why, why don't you (laughs) think that we are not a legitimate contender with a pass rush? I, I don't, I just, I don't buy it. Like, I, I don't think that defense is suddenly like, where would you rank this defense right now? Like across the league, where would you rank them? 20 to 25. 20 to, yeah. yeah. 20, 20 to 25. To 20, somewhere in there. So if they, let's say they resign Clowney in a perfect world and they add a pass rusher at 27, I don't know, whoever it is, wh- where does that defense end up in terms of on paper ranking? Well, I think Brian's question is more if you sign Clowney and trade for Yannick. But no, that's no, not ha- no, no. It, it, let's just go with one player because Evan said we're not one player away. So let's yeah. let's say one quality pass rusher. And for me, Yannick is definitely a better pass rusher than, than Clowney. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. 
but I know that I know Nathan and I don't see that the same way. I, th I think that that's pretty clear cut. Pick which one you like better. doesn't matter. I think that if the Seahawks have a alpha pass rusher with the addition of Irvin and Mayoa and Reed playing for the full year, I think that that's enough for them to be meaningfully better as a pass rushing unit than they were last year. And I think that that's enough for them to be a strong contender. I hate that you're talking me into optimism right now. It's really I concerning mean, to me. There is a big difference. Like, I mean, there's a big question about how much does pass rush matter and all that. Uh, and, you know, Clowney's best at run defense, and we can talk about how much that matters too. But um, I don't think it's crazy to think that, you know, a Clowney or Yannick could, could take this defense from a 20 to 25 to more in that like 15 range and that's not a small jump really right I mean if you're talking about a great offense and a bad defense you know compared to a great offense and an average defense that's considerably better um so you know if you think that a clowny can move you up you know five spots you know, in defensive rankings and you think they're around 20 or something like that, then yeah, I mean, that puts them much more comfortably in, you know, legit contender territory. Yeah. I mean, what were the Chiefs? Yeah, I don't think the Seahawks are going to hit that peak, you know, offensively, but like they weren't much different than that kind of that kind of build. Yeah, and Jeff, I mean, look, if, if, if you do have some sort of uh, like legitimate starting pass rusher um, and it can be inside or outside. I don't think it's, it's just an edge rusher, but a legitimate impact pass rusher to that team. And you've got Quentin Dunbar now, and we got to see what Ugo Mati is going to mean. And you get a full season of Quandre Diggs, And we see if maybe Marquise Blair can actually break into the starting lineup. Like, I think there's, there is reason to be positive, but that's a big freaking hole. It's a big yeah. hole. And there's no freaking plan to address it. So that's why it's just crazy to me that you guys would be more excited for them to draft Isaiah Wilson at 27 than to bring in a legitimate pass rusher. I don't get it. I think it's just a question of whether you're looking short-term or long-term, right? I think short-term, yeah, obviously Yannick makes you a lot better than probably anyone you draft um, for the first couple of years. But for me, I just philosophically don't like the idea of trading a high pick to then turn around and spend a bunch of money on uh, on the guy. And yeah. you know, Clowney or uh, sorry, uh, well, Clowney too probably. But Yannick is not Von Miller. He's not Khalil Mack. He is not one of the top defensive ends in the league. So you're Ooh. trading a lot. He's he's that's like, that's where if, we see it differently. So so if you don't think he's yeah. one of the top five to 10 defensive ends in the league, then, then I can understand why you don't want to. Well, and I don't think there's any question, right. That he's not one of those guys. Like you have Khalil Mack, you have the Bosa's you've got, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that like are better players than him. Right. Not, and that's not like a, he's bad. Right. This is the whole thing with like Clowney where he's like a very good pass rusher, but not an elite pass rusher. I think Yannick is a good, very good player, but not an elite great player. Yeah, and so like that's just another it. thing to me where I'm just, you know, yeah, he's well, Cliff to, me, to me. Yeah, but I think that's what Nathan just described. No, like that's what Cliff Averill was. Did right. you guys see his tweets to the to the Jags? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the yeah. GM guy or whatever. The owner's son. Yeah. What is that? The owner's son. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the Jags are a really weird organization where 
they kind of keep giving him these jobs where he just doesn't have a football background. He's like, was an early adopter on analytics and he was really good, but they are just such a dysfunctional, like they're analytics heavy, but they drafted Leonard Fournette over Watson and Mahomes. And they trade guy, everyone, they, they're just, we think the Seahawks are screwed up. Like the Jaguars are, they can be a 30 for 30 on those guys. All right. I ranted. I cut off a patron question. Mia culpa. Evan, hit us with the patron question from the Slack. It's chat. actually, I'm just going to hit you with this question, Brian, okay. since you typically do all the question asking. Controversial, you know, discussion in, in Seahawks fan circles is, is wide receiver truly a need? Obviously, they hit on DK Metcalf last year. He's, he's a blue chip player. Uh, they have Tyler Lockett, who's a stud. Signed Philip Dorsett, as we've, as we've talked about. How much of a need is wide receiver? Would you be upset if they drafted a receiver in the first round? Is that a priority for you? Um, it's not a priority for the – it's not a high priority from a team perspective, like as far as the overall needs, but from my perspective. But it is something I'd be totally happy to see them do because of what we talked about earlier that is where there's depth and talent in this draft. And if you can come out of there with a blue chip player and you end up with multiple blue chip receivers, you do it. You don't look back. You don't question about, well, we really need that defensive pass rush. So we're going to take a guy that sucks and maybe someday will maybe be good. You take a receiver that you have high confidence will turn into a good player. So I'll be absolutely happy to do it. I think the, the the bigger question or the interesting question to me is what kind of receiver? Because there's so many kinds of receivers in this draft. There's the guy from USC. Is it Pittman? Um, it's my favorite guy. Big, big receivers. You've got some fast receivers. You've got some slot receivers. And that's the part that's interesting to me of like, you want another DK? Is that the right thing to want in this draft? I'm curious if you guys have a point of view on that. That's a really interesting thing, right? Like I think that wide receiver can be a big impact uh, pick for them. Um, it's hard to say it's a need by any stretch, uh, but I think it could, it could have a massive impact, but then you start looking at the guys. Okay. Who are the guys that kind of fit with Lockett and DK? And there's a, there's an interesting list. Like I think Pittman is in there. I think uh, T Higgins is a guy. Um <laughs> uh brian edwards is a guy that maybe isn't a sweet spot if you're looking at like a third round wide receiver or something like that um but then you can start to like uh second guess, guess yourself and be like okay well we just we just said that we're gonna go and get a receiver or we're okay taking a receiver because we're not gonna worry about what we have right we're just gonna go get that blue chipper and then so do you really want to worry about who fits well with Tyler and DK? Is there a Golden Tate like like a running back style oh, yeah. receiver where you – or like Taylor Gabriel where it's like you throw it to him in space and that guy just makes people miss or runs people, you know, over? Is, is that guy in the draft? There's a few. There's definitely a lot of like yak guys like KJ Hamler is maybe more of a um, Taylor Gabriel type. For Golden Tate, I think maybe you're you're thinking someone like Brandon Ayuk. Um, yeah, that's exactly what that I was build. Yeah, he's got some big red flags around like production and, and stuff like that. Um, which you know, hey, DK had production flags too, but you know, Brandon Ayuk's not built like DK. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know that you can make the same excuses for him. But he's probably if you're if you're really trying to hone in on a Golden Tate, that's probably the guy. 
Speaking of Golden Tate and receiver need, did you guys see the Percy Harvin report today? (laughs) I don't hate that. I mean, uh, I did. Okay, hold up. You can't just say I don't hate that and not follow up. So you have to you have to follow up that. I don't I don't hate that. You don't don't hate hate the Seahawks potentially bringing back Percy Harvin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? What are you going to do? Punch Tyler Lockett? Come on. He might. I'll be fine. Tyler's dirty-ish. Uh, I, <laughs> we're not talking about trading a first-round pick and giving the guy like $15 million or whatever. We're talking about bringing him in and saying, like, work your ass off, and if not, we'll cut you. They're good at this. This is what they're – well, I mean, you can now turn around and point to Ziggy on me. All right. And so maybe not they're, – they're not always great. But generally, this is what they're good at. This is when you know they they churn these kind of guys, and yeah, let's let's if nothing else, Dude, let's he have a- has he has legit CTE. Like that is not a guy. <laughs> like he says he's doing well mentally, uh, uh, emotionally, and everything. He's in a good place. Yeah. But if he's not, then you cut him. Like it's not hard. This is this, it's it's zero risk. Percy Harvin is twenty eight days from turning 32 years old. So he's we'll still pro- younger than LJ Collier? <laughs> I set you up so perfectly for that. Uh, Jeff does not get old. Um, uh, you know, I swear, this is not, I'm not making this up. I legitimately had a dream last night that Percy Harvin was back on the Seahawks, just randomly. And then I woke what? up, and I swear to God, before and this report, before the report, like I didn't, I, there was no, like, I didn't see anything, nothing. And, and I woke up and I, I literally like thought like, wait a second, am I still dreaming? Or like, is this sound like, what is going on? It was so weird. Like, I don't know how that happened, but I, <laughs> my first reaction is Nathan's. I'm like, yeah, he's a freaking amazing athlete. That could be kind of fun. My second reaction is, oh my God, that would be so stupid. Do not do that. So I, I, I don't Wow, know. is this Pete Carroll slander? Can Pete Carroll not control a locker room with Percy Harvin in it? If only that culture coach we can take these kind of gambles. Can Pete Carroll control a locker room with like Jeffrey Dahmer in it? I mean, there's people that have mental <laughs> Wow. Whoa. That's, hey, that's a stretch. I that's mean that's over, boy. Like, come on, Percy's not that bad. <laughs> No, but he's got he has got zero people that I'm aware of. He's not eating anybody, but you know, he is it wouldn't be surprising me if he took a bite out of somebody. I mean, the guy's you know, he's he's got issues. That's actually fair. He's got issues. So um anyway. Any more patron questions there, Evan? Uh somebody asked, does the new CBA affect Josh Gordon? This is all TBD. I know he's currently in the reinstatement process with the commissioner. I, I would assume we hear something in the next few months, but um, I would not bank on him being back. That's for sure. Okay. All right. Well, let's tell people about what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, talk about when coverage is going to start. When does the draft even start? When are they going to start hearing from us? That is a phenomenal question because I can't remember if the draft is 4 or 5 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow. Is it 5? Jeff is five. Jeff says 5 p.m. Pacific time. So what does that mean? 
you guys can obviously tune into the draft on YouTube or on, on your TV, ABC, ESPN, NFL Network, whatever you're watching. But if you want to listen to our commentary, we're going to have our live Slack thread on YouTube. Same exact format, broadcasted via Zoom, live Slack thread during non-Seattle picks, and then live video reactions like we're doing right now during Seattle's actual pick that hopefully happens in the first round. Uh, you can have it up on your phone. You know, you can tune in on Slack, interact with us if you're a Patreon member. Um, if you're not a Patreon member, subscribe. Uh, you get default access to it. And uh, it's going to be a fun time. We're really excited about it. And like I said, it's a first time for us doing the live Slack thread. So if you guys hate it, let us know. If you love it, let us know. Either way, let us know. So we're excited. Yeah, I definitely, as the Seahawks come closer, we were definitely going to go live on video. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the faces on this pod uh, when the Seahawks do whatever they're going to do. It should be fun. All right. If that, I'm just going to ask everybody, if you haven't already, click subscribe, uh, smash the like button. I think that's what you're supposed to say. Uh, and then, uh, you know, sign up over at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Give us a, a review on uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you want to go, Google Play. And we will see you all tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. So you're going to get plenty of us, more of us than you'll ever want to see again. And who knows? The Seahawks make lots of moves during the draft. They sometimes draft players. They often trade players. This team could look and will look probably meaningfully different in three days. Thank God. With that, go Hawks. Have a wonderful night. Everybody take care. Uh, good night.